Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. We bless you, we honor you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you say amen again? I'm, I'm llama excited to be here. Llama excited. Anybody know what that means? I think I shared it before. When we lived in England, we lived a few places. We used to take our kids to a place called Wood Green Animal Shelter. That's where people will donate animals that, for whatever reasons, they can no longer take care of them. And for some reason, they had a, a herd of llamas at this place. We would make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and have Sigler family picnics. And our boys, we have three sons, uh, Xavier Roland IV and Elijah, they would run up and down the race, uh, the, the fence racing the llamas. When a llama gets excited, it'll spit at you. But they didn't know it. So they would get so close to the fence and they'd be running and they'd just be covered with spit. Poosh. And so I'd say, I'm so excited, I'm llama excited. I'm so excited I could spit. And I don't mean that to, to discourage or offend anybody, but any good preacher you know is going to spit a little bit. Hey. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. I'm, I'm trying, I'm, 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 I don't want to say I'm on a 747, but I'm in an aircraft right now. And I've been circling around the Dallas metropolitan area trying to find out exactly how God wants me to land this thing. You, you understand what I'm saying with that parable, that, uh, that example? I'm excited about it. We're going to go to John, St. John chapter 4, and we're just going to stay there. I'll make references to other places in Scripture, but that's where we're going to rest, anchor, and just be there. The NIV version is what I'll be reading, the New International Version. But I just, I believe God has some things he wants us to pull from that, extrapolate from it today. I'm not trying to, to stand in a teaching mode, but I feel a little teach on top of a little preach on top of a little prophesy, if I can, if I can do that, okay? And for those of you that know me, you know how I do it. We'll get in there in just a minute, but it ain't going to take long now because I'm already there. I'm just trying to allow you some time to get on board. Because there is a word in the house from the Lord today. Amen. When, when I think about what we've just recently come out of in our tradition as believers, Christians celebrating Passover and, and uh, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as we say in the world, Easter, which is, you know, that's not the same thing. But the whole Easter season, I was, I was looking in the scripture where Christ was uh, finishing up all of that. He's leaving um, Jerusalem. And he's headed back to Galilee. Say, headed back to Galilee. Okay, so that's the ultimate place that he's going. Now, he could have gone from Jerusalem through by way of the River Jordan, that way, other routes. But for whatever reason, Jesus decided to go straight through the shortest distance. You know the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, right? You know that. So he's not trying to circumvent and go around. But what was happening is... The people in that time, they were comparing John the Baptist was baptizing individuals unto repentance. And Jesus' disciples were Jesus' disciples were baptizing as well. Slow down, Roland. And so they were they were causing some conflict or trying to stir up some mess. And they were saying, Well, Jesus is baptizing, baptizing more than John. John's baptizing more than Jesus. All this is going on, right? But Jesus hadn't done what he was sent to do yet. So it wasn't time for him to confront them in their religious ways. So as opposed to him just dealing with them, he decided, let me just get up out of Jerusalem and head on up to Galilee. But you know that, as it says in Scripture, before Jesus would start anything off in the day, 
he would retreat to a solitary place to spend time with the father. The father would tell him where he was to go, what he was to do, who he was to talk to, and how everything would happen. Somebody just got to answer just there. Your strategy is you've not been retreating at the onset, at the beginning, before the jump off of the day, in that solid, into that solid, ooh, shit, ah, into that solitary place with the father, you and him alone, for him to tell you what to do, for him to tell you where you're going to go, who you're going to encounter, and what you'll say. It's just that simple. Readjust what you're doing, get into that place with him, and he'll give you what you need. Amen. So before that, he had already told him, the father had told Jesus Christ that you're going to go to Samaria. There's a woman that I've ordained her destiny to meet with you. Amen. Let's look to the scripture so we can find a place to land here. St. John chapter four. Again, I'm, in, I'm reading in the uh, New International Version and you're hearing the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once, once more to Galilee. Okay, verse, th- verse four. Now, when he, had, when he had to go through Samaria, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Can you say Sychar? It doesn't say cigar, it says Sychar. Sychar. Sychar is a word, I look this up now. I'm not trying to bedaffle you. I looked this word Sychar up. And you know what it means? End. E-N-D. I said, okay, Lord, what are you saying? He said, today in city church, in someone's heart, in their life, it ends today. It ends today. That cycle, that, that, that continual thing that you've been dealing with, he said, it ends today. Sychar. Say Sychar. Your life is going to be forever changed because you're going to remember this day. Sychar. It ended today. Okay. Let's get back to the scripture. This is where he went. It's it's near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So this is about noon. This is the hottest part of the day. I'm looking at this thing. Jesus, thank you for that water. Thank you for that. Yeah. Jesus is tired from his journey. See, although he is God incarnate in flesh, he got tired. Jesus, the Christ, got tired in his physical body. That ought to help somebody right there. So he sat down. Because he was tired. You know why he was tired? Because most of the time, 99% of the time, they walked. He walked where he went. He walked. And I was looking up this thing. I don't have all my numbers here in front of me. I moved it for some place and I didn't pick it all up. But to go from, I said, um, the distance between Judea and Samaria was about 22 hours walking. Can you imagine that? Who's going to walk 22 hours? I don't even want to walk upstairs at my house. So he's walking there. Papa, I honor you. Did I tell you that? I love you. I got to tell y'all something. I just, I saw him and then it just made me think about it. I said, Pops, do you like the fish? He said, you want to take me fishing? I don't know why. That just cracked me up in my soul. 
Because I do want to take him fishing, but I don't want to take him fishing if he doesn't want to go fishing. And so I asked him the question. I said, Pops, do you, do you fish? He said, do you want to take me fishing? <laughs> I don't know. That just, that, that's, that, I looked at him, so you, now you know what that inside thing was. So about halfway uh, the distance would be, I guess, 30, 39 miles. And I was trying to look at, from my house, we live in McKinney, right there at Prosper, maybe about three minutes from Prosper, to downtown Dallas is about 34 miles. That's not even quite the distance. And I was thinking, I would never walk that. Why am I going to walk that? That's about half of it. So it would be me walking from my house to downtown Dallas and back. Who's going to do that? In my mind, I was tired just thinking about it. But I'm not Jesus. So here he is. He's sitting down at the well. It's the hottest part of the day. Understand that? Sidecar, the hottest part of the day, just setting this thing up. So he's tired. So he's physically sitting down. Now, on the surface, we look at that. He's relating to our humanity. He is divine, but he relates to our humanity. Jesus came and did this thing successfully as a man, as a human being. That means you have access to everything that you need to do it successfully as a human. Amen. That's what that's about. Let's look at this. Verse seven, when a Samaritan woman, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now, let me give you a a subject. I didn't I didn't tell you that the subject is got thirst. I thought it was a little creative. You know, the little thing got milk, the commercial, the marketing thing got thirst. But it's it's with um, a question mark. It's an um, an interrogative statement. Got milk. Got thirst. Got thirst. What does that mean? Are you thirsty? The Bible says he that hungers and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. We breeze through that righteousness, the way God thinks, the way God feels. Well, what does that look like when God is a spirit and we can't see him? I'm so glad you asked. I heard you. He gave us Jesus. So we could see the standard of righteousness, the way he thought, the way he talked, the way he walked. Now, that walk is both the physical walk, but his his carrying himself, because I'm thinking about them 22 hours worth of walking. But his his standard, he embodied the kingdom before us in tangible form. Blessed is the man who hungers and thirsts after righteousness for that man, that person, that human shall be filled. Amen. So he comes and there's a Samaritan woman who came to draw water. I'm still in verse seven. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? That's where I got that. Got thirst. Is he is he thirsty? He's after something. Jesus is after something from you. He says today, will you give me a drink? That's what he's asking you. Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Verse nine, the Samaritan woman said unto him, you are a Jew And I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And it says, for the Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. A little bit history on that. There there was, um, they're from the Israelites. They're from the Jews. But there was some intermingling. See, with God, God, things had to be separate. You're God. You're dedicated to God. You're consecrated to God. You can't mix stuff up. And what they did is um, they cross-mixed with other people. And the race of people that came out of the cross mixing with the children of God were the Samaritans. And they lived in Samaria. 
The Jews had nothing to do with them. They thought they were better. They thought they were more devout. You understand what I'm saying? So he's, she's saying to him, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. Let me give you a little bit more story, and, and you'll get it in Scripture. This woman would come at the hottest part of the day to get water because she wanted to avoid contact with other people. The, most people would come in the early morning before the sun would come to get water or come late in the evening. She's coming at the hottest part of the day just to avoid people. And I got to thinking, what have I done in my life or am doing in my life right now that's the hardest thing that I could do to keep from dealing with other folk? How am I making things difficult and more hard, more difficult for myself just because I'm trying to avoid dealing with other people, which could be a difficult thing, right? Because you know how people can be. We can be crazy sometimes, right? I'm pointing at myself. I'm not pointing at you because I know all y'all are sane. I'm talking about me. So I'm going to avoid that by putting myself in a, in a time slot that's harder and hotter just so I can miss out on something that I, that I perceive to be more difficult. So here she is. Verse, verse 10, and Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, verse 11, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. How can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father? Ain't this like us? Jesus, Jesus trying to deal with us and we're trying to do this smoke and mirror and change the subject. He's inviting her into a discourse. Give me the drink. And she's talking about something totally different because she didn't understand. But at the same time, she was trying to hide herself. Let's get back into this. Y'all, I'm starting to get a little excited. I'm going to start again at verse 11. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? She's giving history there. She's giving history lesson to history. She's, she's giving information to all knowledge. Okay. <laughs> Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come, have to keep coming here to draw water. Now, when you drink the water that, that Jesus is talking about, he, hear this, because this has been a misnomer for us, for me. I'm just going to be, I'm going to make you all voyeurs because it's not about you all. It's about me. I'll just let you, let you all look into my life. I'll be the example. I've been saved. I accepted Jesus Christ in July 1973. I was 10 years of age. Do the math. I'll be 56 Mother's Day. And, and it's been a progressive thing, but there have been challenges along the way. I thought that when I accepted Jesus, life was going to be so much better than it has been. Y'all, I could just sit on this floor and, and ball up in the fetal position and stick my thumb in my mouth right now off of that. Because when I said that, I started thinking about my journey. And I'm not talking about anything recent. I'm talking about from childhood all the way through. I thought 
now I'm accepting God, I'm not going to have no problems because God is the OG. We're going to walk this thing. We're going to kick devil butt. Life ain't going to do nothing to me. That's not been the case. I honestly feel like I've had more challenges since being a part of God's family than I was conscious of before. Did you hear what I'm saying? I'm trying to level set a perspective. He doesn't make us immune to. He inoculates us within. So the living water he's talking about in life, you're going to have challenges. He said in this earth, in this world, you're going to have challenges. Somebody get that revelation. It's going to come. We don't worship that. We don't focus on that. We focus on him. But what he's done is he's overcome all of that. So the water he's talking about is that well springing that refreshes you. When life changes on you, you got a steady place of refreshing from the inside. And that's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Give God some praise for that. And if you've tasted and seen that he's good, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because as we're walking through life, some of the journey is hot and is long. It really is. But in Christ, the hope of glory, we have liberty and freedom. He gives us all that we need in him and with him in us. Amen. So he's telling her this and he's saying challenges are still going to come. I'm giving you that understanding. Verse 16, 16, he told her, go call your husband and come back. So here's the thing. This is what got me. I said, Jesus is my dude right here because he's talking to her. About she's saying, listen to this. Let me just play it out before you're hearing, because I know you can see it, but I really want you to see it. He's hot. He's tired. He's sitting down, chilling, probably sweating with his dreads back with his leather sandals on. Got his linen kicked open, trying to get a little air because he's sweating like I don't know what. You know, it's hot. Put yourself in there. If you walk 22 hours, what would you look like or, or half of that in the hot sun at the middle part of the day? So he's sitting there. Here she comes and he says, give me something to drink. I thirst. Got thirst? She's like, you shouldn't even be talking to me. Do you know who I am? Okay, let's let's go with this. If you knew who I was, you would ask me to give you something to drink. Let me crown your king. This is a discourse. So then she's sitting up there. She said, I don't you don't even have anything to draw with. And then she starts giving the pedigree of where the well came from. This hole that's dug in the ground, my forefathers dug it. So if it rains, the water goes into the water table and get it. He's, I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about this well inside of you. He's trying to have this discourse. You know, I'm talking about the woman of Samaria, but I'm really talking about you. He's been trying to get your attention. That's what this whole thing was about. And you've been giving him these traditional, cultural, religious responses. Did did you hear what I said? Look at what she's saying. It's going back and forth. So this is what he does. He just pulled the covers off of it. He said, where's your husband? I said, oh, Jesus. How did you pull a card like that? She's talking about my, my, my forefathers planting the well, digging the well, and then you go straight there with this, where's your husband? And then here she goes. Um, I don't have a husband. He said, you answered right. I'm paraphrasing the scripture. And I said it like this. You got that right, sister. Because she's playing this game with him, right? The play of words. And then he said, the man you're with now, 
isn't your husband. And you've had five. He's getting real now. He, he knows our street. Not one of those prophets that's got to go in this soulless realm and call out your address, tell your telephone number and where you live, stuff you already know. Tell me something I don't know. So he's trying to get her attention to lock in with him. And the husband that you have isn't yours. And you've had five, right? The man you're with is not your husband, and you've had five. So then now she's like, okay, I perceive that thou art the prophet. <laughs> Isn't that how we do it? That religious spirit comes on us, the thee, thou, the Elizabethan uh, king's ordained uh, Bible. I perceive that thou art a prophet. <clears throat> so here's the thing. This is what I want you to see that the Lord was showing me. He said, what I wanted her to do was deal with me in truth. I don't need all that candy-coated religious jargon, do this, do that. I don't, I don't want you like that. Let's deal with the real. You know how we say, for real, for real? He said, for real, for real. So now we're down to the, oh, oh he's exposed me. You're right. This is what truth looks like. And, and when we're worshiping God, the scripture goes on to say, I'm paraphrasing. It's a lot of scriptures. I want you to read the whole passage, the whole book, chapter 4. He said, uh, St. John chapter 4, I want you to read the entire thing because you're going to see it in a different light. But when you look at it, I want you to see yourself as the Samaritan woman. That's how I want you to see yourself. He says, she, she goes into, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. That was some historical stuff before there was destruction and all of that. So she's trying to get into a place of worship. I had three points. We, 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 I'll, I'll summarize them here in a moment. But he's saying it doesn't matter where you worship the mountain. The Jews say here, can we worship over here? He says, it's how you worship. See, see, God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So I had this thing. I was coming in, and, and, and is it, uh, Pastor Wendy, is it, um, did I honor the Lord for you? I thank the Lord for you. Okay. Um, bigger, better, bolder. Okay. Bigger, better, bolder. That's the other thing. I'm showing you how... My, my, my psychology in processing. I'm talking to Pastor Ray. I had the bigger, better, bolder. Was here at Easter. Things that are going on. Passover, what this means. It's not just religion. I'm before the Lord. I'm praying. I'm seeking him. You get all this stuff. But it's like, Lord, but there's something specific. He said, well, I gave it to you. I said, but I know you've given me a grace to connect the dots, but I can't see it. I'm trying to see it because I want to tell them what you're telling me. He said, got thirst? I said, Lord, come on now. I'm your boy. Tell me what you want me to tell them because this ain't working for me. He said, you're just like them because you are them. Got thirst? I said, okay, let me get some milk. He needs some milk. Let me get some milk. Some of y'all get it. <laughs> Lord, what are you saying? He said, bigger, better, bolder is not a coin phrase. He said, it's me. Are you coming after me? Do you want more of me? Bigger, better, love. I feel like I, I wanted to rap. Bigger, better, mm. What are young people? I need some young people to pray for me because I felt a little trap, trap spirit come on me right. Dun-dum, dun-dum, dun. Dun-dum, dun-dum, dun. Where did that thing come from? I, I think, what y'all doing in here? I'm trying to stay in this lane. These young people done pulled me somewhere. I feel, what is that? Better, better, boom. And then I was kind of going back with this right here. I'm like, what is that? 
stay with the message. Now, y'all can do that later. <laughs> Bigger, better, bolder is more of God. And I've been trying to find a way to articulate it to you. I stayed up all night a couple of weeks ago and then Friday night up all night because I couldn't bring it down. I couldn't reduce it down. I couldn't bring it down. I said, Lord, help me. And he said, look at you. And he shared something with me. I used to sing a few years ago. My wife will tell you. That's part of how I got her. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> she was my number one groupie. Since I got the mic, I'll give my version of it. I used to sing at weddings, and all of a sudden I look up, she's there. We ain't got that many people in common. She denied that she was following me like that. She stalked me. She stalked me. But I used to be able to sing, and it was a grace that God had on my life for a period of time. But truth be told, I sung to the Lord because I loved him. But I didn't realize until this morning that something shifted in that with me. I wondered why would I say it like this? God, you took that from me. Why did you take that from me? He said, inside of you, this is what he gave me this morning. He said, you stop doing it as unto me. He said, you were concerned about how you sounded, how you sound, how you sounded. You were concerned about what people said about you. Man, you, you brought the presence of the Lord in here so, so heavy. You slayed everybody. I didn't know this. He's checking me. I, I'm, I'm telling you, got, got, got thirst? Because, Lord, I'm frustrated. I love you. Why am I not seeing this the way you're seeing this? Why am, I, why am I not being this the way you gave this? I'm frustrated. And then it's like he said, now I have your full, whole heart. It was something very simple. He said, when somebody compliments you, don't give them a religious response. Glory to God. He said, because in your heart, you were sharing in that with me. You didn't really mean glory to God. He said, you say the right stuff. He said, but I was checking you in your heart. You felt some kind of way about that. He said, that false humility is a stench in my nostril. So I was quiet with you. I had nothing to do with that. Because you were sharing in my glory. And I was like, Lord, why didn't you just tell me that? I would have corrected it. He said, you didn't stop to ask. You were so accustomed to being the way you were in it. You never stopped to ask me. Even when you would say, Lord, are you pleased? He said, you really weren't concerned. It became religious to you. So I said, okay, Lord, this is my thing. I repent. I am so sorry, Lord. I am so sorry. Where did you get this from? Because now she's dealing in truth. This Samaritan woman, she's having to confront the truth. That husband, the, the man you with, that ain't your husband. Those five husbands, you, you, you understand, he knows us. So in that space of spirit and truth, be real with God. Don't get into that Adamic fallen like Adam had fallen and they're trying to cover themselves with fig leaves. This is what he's saying. Be naked with me. I said, OK, Lord, I want to see heaven touch earth. Do you hear what I'm saying? He gave me those words. I know it's a song like heaven touching earth. Yeah, I know that. But this wasn't just a song. In my heart's cry, I want to see heaven touch earth. That's what Jesus did. Heaven came to earth. 
and the fullness of heaven. He said, that's what I want to do, am doing, and have begun in City Church. Bigger, better, bolder. It's just God touching. It, it, it's over here. That trap thing is over here. Because when I, dun 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 just I'm trying to stay spiritual. Y'all pulling me off into this thing. It's got a little beat, but it's heaven touching earth. I'm, I'm making light of it. It's not about personality. This is God's will. And this is what's changed. So these long seven years have been a hot 22 hour walk. Now, there's a refreshing that's come. And it ended today. Sick car is a demarcation point. It changed today. It changed. Do you hear what I said? It changed today. If you stop avoiding it and you confront it within yourself and it's a small thing, it's not even a big thing. It's a small thing. But God is a God of principle and you can't manipulate God. You can't hide stuff from God. He said, decree it today in their hearing. Today is sick car. That place that you've been wondering in your mind, W-A-N-D-E-R-I-N-G and W-O-N-D-E-R-I-N-G in your mind. He said it changes today. He said it was about your aptitude. You didn't know. So I'm giving you the information now so you'll know the aptitude is, is a natural ability, but he's talking about spiritual things. So I bring my word to you to increase your understanding. I open the eyes of your understanding today. It's by the spirit of God. He gives gifts, men as gifts to do that. So your aptitude, your ability, he's apt to teach. He's apt to preach. She's apt to sing. It changes today. Your aptitude, your ability, your God endowment changes today. Your attitude is simply a position. It's neither negative nor positive. It can be either or or both. Your attitude, your position. What's your view on it? What's your viewpoint, your attitude? He said it's been the way it is, has been before Sikkar, before today. This is what changed is because you were too low. You were too low in your perspective, too low in your view, which came from those hot days, that hot journey. You were delusional. You understand when they talk about walking in the desert and you see these mirages? That process has been so arduous and so hard and so difficult for you. You've been seeing things from the wrong attitude. You've been seeing it from the wrong attitude. The heat has messed up your seeing, your perception, the process. Remember, I told you I thought it was going to be easier serving the Lord, living with God, walking with him. So because it wasn't, I had a little stankness going on inside of me. I had I had an attitude that was negative. He said, change your attitude. It's a decision. You make a decision. You choose. Salvation is a decision. And he said, the next thing is your altitude. You know, we say your altitude. It's 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 about uh, a point a geographical reference, we look at it going higher. I want to take you higher, says the Lord. That is my will. Look unto the hills, up unto the hills. That's where your help comes from. Stop looking down at the situation. Stop talking down to the situation. Look up to the hills. From whence cometh your help? Your help comes from the Lord. Now, this is what God says. He came. Your help, my help, our help, 
He came. Hear this. Jesus came. He's not coming back to do what he's already done. We're expecting him to do what he has already done. Do you hear hear, hear this, y'all? This is bigger, better, bolder. You're waiting for God to do what God has already done. He's already done it. He's waiting for you to change your aptitude. That's your desire and your hunger in the word. So you can understand and know what he has already done. And once you get that aptitude change, your ability based on truth, then your attitude is going to change instantly. And as soon as your attitude changes instantly, you're going to see in full manifestation what has been waiting there the whole time. (laughs) The disciples toiled all night long trying to fish. They were skilled fishermen, aptitude, able to fish. Trying to help you with this thing. I'm not going to circle it too many times, but I am a good preacher. They're fishing. No, no fish. Jesus, look at them. They're tripping. They're washing their nets, getting ready to put them up. This is symbolic of us. Getting ready to wash your hands of the whole thing. He said, wait, hold, hold up. Wait a minute. Let me put my, wait a minute. That's that trap thing again. He said, take it and adjust it over here. Adjust it just a little bit. Attitude. At his instruction, at his word. Just adjust it a little bit. See, it wasn't a big thing. And he, I may, you know, he may give me a recording contract. That voice thing may come back. But if he doesn't, I don't care. I understand it now. Drop the net here. When they made the adjustment, not just hearing the word, but obeying, being doers of the word, it said it took all of them to bring in the hall. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I, I, I didn't want it to be a hype hype, but I'm trying to control this thing so that it could come across in a way that you could get it. No insult to your intelligence. We are on the, the cusp, the, the cusp, the, the brink, the edge of a manifestation of God's glory in the earth through this remnant of believers. And the thing that's so amazing to me is we don't realize it. This is what the Lord is saying. Okay, I got on my prophet thing now. This is what the Lord is saying. Heaven touching earth is coming through a a church sitting on the hill. City church. That's us. And, And I was so blessed, Pastor Wendy, when you were talking about the common union. That's what the body is. Not that it's this elitist thing. Look at us over here. See, that's what stagnated and held up many houses of worship and believers because they think that they're it. But we're all the common union body of Christ and every joint supplies. There's all we need each other. You understand what I'm saying? But there is something that God has purpose to do through. I've been waiting on you like where you man. Come on now. I've been waiting. <laughs> I've been waiting on the minstrel to come in here. It's something that he, he had purpose to do through us because I'm inclusive of this. And I'm so excited. Y'all don't, y'all don't understand. I'm really excited about this. This is how it equates. When you look at and read in the, the chronicles of history in the, in the church of the great revivalists like Wigglesworth and, and Edder and all of those folks, Catherine Kuhlman, and even the Brownsville revival, those kinds of things. I hate the, the buzzwords of revivals. And, and it's not a move of God. 
Okay, it's not a move of God. If God moved, what exists ceased. It's in him that we live and we move and have our being. It's a manifestation of his promises. We're on the very brink of it. That's what this is. He wants our whole hearts, our whole minds, and our whole spirit. No more half-heartedly serving him. No half-hearted. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? He wants your all. That's what God is after. He wants everything. Every bit of it. That's what the woman at the well, the Samaritan, that's what she, she gave up. She's like, okay, I can't hide. My fig leaf, I covered this part, this part's out. He said, come in truth. Worship me in spirit. See, spirit is who you are in Christ. When he breathed that breath of life in you, spirit. And in truth, the word of God, thy word is truth. I'm dealing with this. This is how you'll know. This is how I was thinking. We got these issues and these problems, finances, children, grandchildren. Got six grandkids, our sons, and blah, 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 and life, and this, and that, and bills, and stuff on the job, and things that I'm dealing with. And then I'm 56. I'm lactose intolerant. I got more pain. Where do these pains come from? I'm laying in the bed and getting up hurting. I ain't exerting nothing. Just laying there asleep. I was like, these aches. It's aging, right? I get it. But I'm like, I'm not, my mind is not saying, it's, my mind is in disagreement. My mind is rebuking the pains. But I'm distracted by this stuff, this journey, these events. I, I've been dealing with, this morning I was talking to the Lord. I said, God, I almost don't want to go this morning. And part of it was, my father transitioned into eternal rest January 30th of this year. And I just miss him. Pops, you're in proxy. I'm sorry, you don't know it, but you're in proxy. The, the father thing that I'm missing, I just miss him. I just miss him. I call him up. Hey, what you doing? I can't call him no more. I can't dial the phone and call him. I can't get on the airplane and go see him. I didn't see him as often as I could, but I just miss him. I was driving this morning. And he said, I put that in you for me. Do you hear what I'm saying? It, the, the glory of God and the presence of God, I apologize, I was late. I wasn't here at 920, and I committed to be here. I was off on Parkwood. I couldn't see. I was crying so heavy. But it wasn't grieving like the world grieves without hope. It was the world springing up in my soul. I remember my dad saying, they called me Baby Roller. I'm the youngest son. He said, baby, it's time for you to start preaching the word of God. I said, what do you think I've been doing all these years? But he would say things to me like that. And he said things. God used him to say things to me and my mom as well, equally, to affirm and confirm who I am in Christ. These things started coming back to me. And that, that like we used to say, spring up, oh, well, within my soul, it just started flooding on the inside. I mean, a refreshing. I'm walking out what is happening in this text of scripture. So today is sick car in your life. Today is sick car. I know it didn't come how you thought it was going to come, but you showed up today and it ended today. He just backed you up into this blessing. And the eyes of your understanding, your natural eyes have not seen nor have your heart. It hasn't entered into your heart the things that God 
has already before cut, prepared, before cut for you. Your journey has allowed God to cut out of you to make room for what he had already purposed. Sitkar is decreed in your life. It's all going to make sense. And even more, it's going to make great faith. God is going to do greater, greater works, greater works. They're coming through this house. Every gift, every grace is going to be activated and stirred up for the glory of God's kingdom. The things that you imagine that God would do through others. He's doing it through you. The pivotal thing, the, the, the most critical thing is you have to have a relationship with him. And if you've never, ever made that decision soberly, consciously to accept what God did in Jesus Christ to give you access to the family of God, that's what this moment is for. It's not about you coming up here to me, me blowing llama spit on you, laying hands on you, nothing like that. It's in your heart before God. And you know where that is in that space. That's where you worship him. So I'm saying this. Out of our colloquial traditions, the altar is open, but it's not here. It's the altar of your heart. Our labor this morning has been to remove the dross. Those things that's been covering so you could hear God for yourself. As Holy Spirit is, is tugging on your heart, pricking your heart, reminding you, and you feel that loving, warm thing on the inside. It's not based on feelings, but sometimes we describe it that way. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. He's extending an invitation to you to become a part of the family of God. Let's bow our heads. Father, we recognize that you're the sovereign God. There's none like you. There's none beside you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at if you were encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text citychurchtv and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.